Good morning, Church. What a joy to meet you through this video. We are so thrilled to know that in the midst of all the crisis, you are still holding on to Jesus. And this morning, I felt in my heart to share a word that I believe it is essential for us to hold on to. Uh, just before that, I, I would love to read a couple of uh, new jokes for you. Uh, I'm not sure if you have heard this. A friend of mine, uh, my friend thinks he's smart. He told me an onion is the only food that makes you cry. So I threw a coconut at his face. <laughs> this is a good one. A woman went to a post office to buy stamps for her Christmas cards. What denomination? asked the clerk. Oh my goodness! Have we come to this? said the woman. Well, give me 50 Baptist and 50 Catholic. <laughs> All right, this is the last one. They said a mask and gloves were enough to go to the grocery store. They lied. Everyone else had clothes on. <laughs> anyway, now, now that we are talking about all those virus, um, please pray for President Trump. Uh, he's been uh, um, uh, diagnosed or tested positive for coronavirus. Uh, I don't know. This is what I want to tell you guys. Maybe you don't like him. Maybe you like him. Doesn't matter. But what matters is the Lord called us to pray for our leaders. And you need to pray that Modi ji will be protected. You know, that uh, the hand of the Lord will be upon him, that you won't get tested positive. You need to pray how your local leaders will be protected because that's the design and the desire of God over the children of, uh, over, his, over his children, over the body of Christ. All right. So why don't we take a moment to pray that God will speak to us. Father in Jesus mighty name, we pray right now that you will speak to us, reveal us your heart. We are not here to just uh, listen for the next 30 minutes or 40 minutes to feel good, take some points and then just get the knowledge. Father, knowledge is not the only thing that can sort us out. It encountering with you, encountering you can bring a transformation. So we pray for that encounter. We ask you in Jesus' name. Amen. Wonderful. This morning, I felt in my heart to talk from the book of Nehemiah, but the title is very simple. Uh, it's called Distraction. <laughs> As I'm talking right now, you might got your, uh, you might be getting a SMS or a WhatsApp notification, uh, or you might be even. Uh, uh, you might be even thinking, uh, oh man, uh, somebody text me right now. Uh, uh, should I test it, text it, or should I not test, uh, text him back? Uh, what should I do? All those things. And let me encourage you. Distraction is very, very common in this days. Where we live, distraction is almost inevitable. We live in a world of distraction. Just after this digital age has come, uh, I don't know about you guys. I remember going to a computer center, 
pay him 35 or 40 rupees per hour, sit before a computer that this size and you open Hotmail or Yahoo.com or in those days something called MSN and uh, and you wait there, you open and this um, the sand clock time machine will go up. You can go get your chai or eat a couple of samosas and come back and then the page opens. Uh, <laughs> things were very different and then all these things have changed now we have I mean the world is in your hands and I tell you it seems like the world is in your hands but still there's so much distraction and I want to read a particular passage from the Bible and this is from Nehemiah he faced a similar distraction and the book of Nehemiah is a very fabulous uh, scripture um, packed with tons of information, but also God's sovereign hand that has been revealed over uh, the life of Nehemiah. By the way, Nehemiah uh, basically means comforter. And this guy, Nehemiah, uh, he had a unique calling. And the calling was to go to his people uh, the land of his people and to see the broken walls and to do a survey and he got a, a very unique favor from the king because these guys have lost the blessings of God because they have walked away from God and they are now subjected by the foreign kings and these kings took over them made them slaves but this guy got a favor and then he goes uh, to survey his land of his forefathers and then what he does he's been sent as a governor to go and then he built this uh, massive uh, uh, walls around the city and he what they could not do it in 40 years uh, uh, more than that uh, he could do it with the help of God in 52 days it's amazing isn't it so I want to read to you a portion from the book of Nehemiah, uh, chapter 6, uh, and uh, let's read from verses 1 to 4. Now it happened when Sanabalt and Tobiah, Geshem the Arab, and the rest of our enemies heard that I had rebuilt the wall and that were no breaks left in it, though at the gate Though at that time I had not hung the doors in the gates that Senabalt and Geshem sent to me, saying, Come, let us meet together among the villages in the plain of Ono. Circle that word, Ono. <laughs> God is so humorous, isn't it? But they thought to do me harm. Look at this verse 3. So I sent messengers to them, saying, I am doing a great work. I can't come down. I don't want the work to stop while I leave to meet you. Wow. In the King James Version, it says, I cannot come down. Why should the work cease while I leave it and go down to you? They sent me this message four times, but I answered them in the same manner. Listen, guys. This guy got this uh, distraction, not just one time, not just, uh, you know, in his uh, uh, boring time or whatever time. He had a vision and he had a mission. He was 
moving towards that and he was trying to fix what God has put in his heart and here comes people around him and they are calling him to have a discussion and we will get to that subject in a minute and he was in the middle of all these things and these guys are coming and bringing a lot of distraction but then the Bible says he said I can't come down I don't want to I don't want the work to stop while I leave to meet you. And, and this is the focus I wanted to encourage you on. Nehemiah believed that what he is doing is greater than the invitation that was offered to him. Can somebody say Amen? I know you're watching on YouTube or Facebook. Say Amen to that. Nehemiah believed that what he is called by God to do is greater than the invitation that he has received. Many times we don't think that. Many times we think what I'm doing, you know, we have this, you know, the false humility. Now, I'm just a warm father. You know, so that means the own mentality is like, you know, last week Isaac had a uh, homeschool preparation and one of his homeschool preparation, he has to uh, get some you know, like worms and put it in different uh, atmospheres and see throughout the week how it grows or dies. So guess who went to buy the worms? Me. So I went to the fish shop and bought some worms and we put it in different atmosphere. And the only atmosphere it sustained was in the fridge. The rest all died, you know. So he has to go through those tests and do all those things. But anyway, so the thing is, the ohm mentality is this. I'm just, I'm just nobody, you know, what I'm, what, I'm just here surviving, waiting for this big vacuum by God to be picking me up and uh, just go to heaven so I can sing Kumbaya. But we never believe that what God has called us to do is something important. So when we don't believe what God has called us to do something important, then every invitation is an opportunity uh, and for us to do whatever we want and then the life become a life of distraction and end up being, uh, you know, the tragedy of the commons. Just living a lifestyle of mediocre. I want to say this principle, write it down. Distraction is the number one enemy of God's original design. Distraction is the number one enemy of God's original design. Today we are distracted with cell phones. We are distracted with the, uh, with the medias, with the news. You know, you are sitting in 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 Bagayam. You could hear a news. What's happening in New Zealand or in Hawaii on the other part of the world? You could just you know. There's so many things. It's an information junk culture. But I want to focus on you know how. Nehemiah, you know, uh, really dealt with that. And let's go back a little bit, a couple of chapters before, Nehemiah chapter 4. And look at this. This is what I want to I wanna read you. When Sanabalt, uh, let me read you from the expanded version. Uh, I do have my Bible here, but I have my notes. So it's easier for me to uh, just to give you an uh, update on this particular scripture from the expanded Bible. When Sanabalt heard they were building the wall, he was very angry and even furious. He made fun and mocked and ridiculed the Jewish people. He said to his friends and of those power and of those of his army people of Samaria, what are these weak, 
feeble, pathetic Jews doing? Will they rebuild the wall or leave it all to God? Will they offer sacrifices? Can they finish it in one day? Can they bring stones back to life from piles of trash and ashes, revive stones from piles of rubble, burn stones at that? Tobiah the Ammonite, verse 3 says, who was next to Sanabal said, If a fox climbed up the stone wall, what they are building would break it down. Look at the picture. These are the guys who gave invitation to <laughs> Nehemiah two chapters later. So what they are doing is they are actually undermining the work of God of Nehemiah's life. And they are undermining what God called Nehemiah to do. And they undermine five things. And I'm going to quickly go through this. It's up in the same screen. First one, they said, you can't restore it yourself. What do they mean by that? They say, you know, your motivation, you know, maybe you are trying to improve in your life. Maybe you had addiction. Maybe you had a hangover problem. Maybe you had a bad hangups and you had a, a challenge in the past and you're trying to come up and you're focusing and boom, people are trying to pour out on you saying, man, this is not you. You are just, you know, the, they, are, they are saying, you, you, they are attacking your motivation. Will it be really? You can really fix this? Can you really change? I don't think so. I have remembered very clearly today, as I'm recording, it's in October 2nd. Um, I remember this 28 years ago. 27, 28 years ago, I remember today was the day that I gave my life to Jesus. Amazing, no? Beautiful. I still remember this pastor friend of ours, Uncle Augustine Jebakumari. He was there in our convention. He was preaching and he was talking about from the book of Exiliasis, chapter 12, verse 1. And he spoke in Tamil, Waliba Priyaratil Un Sistrigar. And I remember in the days, remember the Creator in the days of your youth. And I, I, I still remember these days. I was just standing at the back with my friends. Usually we don't go to convention. We use that opportunity to go to the cinemas. And my grandma said, hey, this is one of our uncles from the south. He speaks Hindi. And I'm like, who is that weird person, Tamil guy speaking Hindi? And he, she said, she, he also sings in Hindi. So I wanted to check out on his Hindi skills as if I know so much Hindi. But it's just, you know, just curious and then end up giving my life to Jesus. And, and I, I still remember today I was just thinking about that. And I was like, wow. Lord, how beautiful it was. I was just standing there with my friends and as he was talking, the power of God hit me and I still remember something deep changed and we didn't go to the movies and we didn't skip and we used to do all those nonsense stuff, you know, and we, the power of God hit us so, so strong and, and I, can't, I remember staying there for the whole sermon and he gave an altar call and I'm, and, and I'm, you know, there was no like a big light came and I, there was no voice in the heaven from coming out saying, this is my beloved son, nothing like that. But it's just the power of God, it touched me in such a way that I could feel God cares for me. And I tell you, that was almost 28 years ago. And I, and I remember starting my life afterwards, people would say, Charles, really? <laughs> people will judge your motivation. And, and that's the same thing. You know, that's what happened. You can't restore yourself. Number two, you feeble Jews. 
Look at the identity has been attacked. He attacks the identity, the personhood, you feeble. Ah, you, Tamilwala, you, Malu, you, Teluguwala, you, Northeast. <laughs> no. This is the thing, you feeble Jews, and I want to challenge you guys, and I want, I, I want to say this to you. In Papa's house, we believe in creativity, we believe in celebration, we believe in God's uh, diversity. And I tell you, my friends, as a Tamilian, I'm saying this, and many non-Tamilians are in a velour, and some of you have dedicated your entire life serving the Lord through the missions and the hospital and other ministries. And I want to tell you, as any Tamilian, as offended you by saying you from another land you i want to say from the bottom of my heart i want to ask you to forgive us listen your identity is not defined by what people say your identity is defined by what christ has said about you Amen. Number three, you can't offer sacrifices, your relationship to God. He attacks that relationship to God. Your sacrifice, <laughs> your prayer, <laughs> your fasting, God is not going to listen to your stotrams. You know, all those things. Number four, you can't revive the stones from the dusty rubbles. What does that mean? That means your ability to do what God has called you to do, the Great Commission, it's not going to work out. This is, this, is, this is beyond your understanding, beyond your capacity. Come on, you are, you, do you know where you come from? Have you heard that before? I've heard that many, many, many times in my life. Do you, you can't do this because where you have come from is not possible. And look at the verse, look at the fifth one. It's incredible what Tobiad said. Even the fox will fall when it jumps on the wall. <laughs> you know what does that mean? The quality of your life and your ministry is kaput. It's not going to work out. This is impossible. But let me tell you, when all this attack came, Nehemiah did not take it all personal. You know what he said? He said, he said this, look at this. Hear, O God, for we are despised. Turn their reproach on their own heads. That's it. He just, he just gives every hurt back to God. He didn't say, huh, they called me feeble Jews. They said, fox, look at the wall I'm building. They're building you with one hand because another hand was sword was there. Hopefully, maybe a fox will... No, he gave back the hurt to God. And now, this is what I want to share with you. Write down this principle. Only when you have your personal victory, God will give you a corporate victory. What does it mean? Nehemiah came to realize, man, I am assigned for the task. I'm not going to allow these guys, the Sanabal, the Tobia and Geshem and all those guys to distract me from what God has called me. Now, let me go through this quickly. We are running out of time. We're already 20 minutes into the sermon and I'm just giving you the introduction. <laughs> Don't worry. Okay. Okay. Don't be distracted. Number one, what are some of the distractions that we face every day? Let's, let's name some distractions. And I wrote down here first one, the distraction of popular opinion. How many of you struggle with that? The distraction of popular opinion, trying to be cool, clever and cute. <laughs> Have you tried that? 
popular opinion. I want to be the most opinionated, you know, accepted popularly, uh, accepted person. Listen to me. You can never please everyone. You will be the most unsatisfied person in the whole world. If you're always worried about what other people think, you'll be distracted from your destiny. That's the distraction of popular opinion. You know, today we are sucked up into this. We take a picture and we put it on a Facebook and we go back after 10 minutes and check out if how many people liked it. And if we have less people liked it, we are wondering maybe the filters didn't work. Maybe the timing didn't work. Maybe I should have made some hashtag. Hashtag barbecue chicken. Hashtag barbecue nation. Hashtag Shiloh conference. I don't know. You name it, man. You know, so whatever it is. Number two, this is the thing. The distraction of pleasure and comfort. Distraction of pleasure and comfort. And let me tell you this. It's okay to have fun and feel comfort. It's okay. It's absolutely fine. It's okay to feel good. It's okay to, uh, to have a little bit of fun. It's, it's fine. But if the fun is your primary focus in your life, we miss our destiny. And many people live only for fun, just for a live at comfort, pleasure and comfort. And this goes back to that parable where Jesus said some seeds fell on the thorny places. You know, what's that? Th that's, 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 that's the cares of the world, the distractions. It's like, oh man, I can't. I can't leave my comfort zone. Let me tell you, nothing grows in comfort zone. And this is the distraction of the pleasure and comfort. And we love to, you know, there's a saying, it says that you can't bake a cake and eat it too. And it's, it's something like that. I, I, you know, I may be even miscoding it. But the point is this, you can't have it all. You just, sometimes it's just, it's okay. It's okay to be uncomfortable. It's okay to not to have all the pleasures in life. It's okay. You know, our leader, our big brother, our, our, our guru, our Messiah did not have all the pleasures. In fact, he rejected. You know, he, he was in this prime time of his ministry. He could have said to his father, Father, put your cross thing on hold for the next 30 years. I'm just getting to walk on the water. People are calling me whatever names. The demons are saying, son of God, run away. I'm enjoying this pleasure. I'll do your cross thing. Put it on hold for the next 30 years. No. He said, not my will, but yes, your will be done. Number three, the distraction of money-minded. And, and this is, you know it very clearly. You can't serve both God and money. It's impossible. You know, uh, many times people have this, uh, the jing jing mentality. You know, it's all about money. It's all about trying to get this. And I, I tell you, my friends, you know, I have said this before. I'm going to say it again. It's not about get all you can, can all you get and sit on the can. It's the life. You will not be noticed at the end of the life. It's not how many toys you gained, how many wealth you accumulated. Nobody knows that. It's how much you gave. And I'm telling you this, the best way to beat the money-minded mentality is to be starting to be generous. And the best time to be starting to be generous is when you have nothing. <laughs> 
This is a kingdom, the ulta kingdom, my friends. It's an upside down kingdom. You want to go high, go low. You want to you want to live, die. You you want to you want to you want to be served, start serving. It's 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 a ulta kingdom. It's an upside down kingdom. So we can't serve both God and money. And number four, the distraction of possessions. I mean, the materialism. Today, we are judged by the, the success. Our success is judged by how much stuff we own in our life. It's like how much money, you know, our self-worth does not defined by our network. Our value does not come from our valuables. Today, it's all about your sex, salary, status, passion, position and possession, all those things. It's so crazy. People are into brands. People are into some, you know, some kind of like, I just wanted to prove to people, you know, the material things. My friends, let me tell you this, the king of the universe, the Bible says he left the Godhead, took the form of men and he humbled himself until the cross. He gave it all. Listen to me. It's not, it's nothing wrong to have those materials. Let me tell you this. It's nothing wrong, but the material should not have you. Do you hear that? It's nothing wrong to have the materials. It's nothing wrong to have a house or a car. It's nothing wrong to have a good phone or a laptop. It's nothing wrong to wear good clothes. But those things should not have you. When those things started to have you, when you are started defined by the things, you know what happened? You are distracted. And you are bound into this vicious Vicious bond of materialism. And the last one, this is one of the painful stuff, but I have to say it to you, the distraction of the past. Let me tell you this. You may be the product of your past, but you are not the prisoner of your past. What does that mean? That means everyone has a past. Can I, can I pause here? If there is a possibility that if you could pause me for 30 seconds and just look at yourself and think, Everyone has a past. And in this past, three things are there. Good, bad and ugly. Yes? Brother, my wife has got more ugly than me, brother. Whatever, man. This is the thing. We all have good, bad and ugly. Let me tell you. If we are going to fulfill the mission God has given us, we must dare to be different from others. What do I mean by that? That means we can't still keep dwelling from on our past. Many times that's what we do. We keep dwelling on our past. We can't start thinking, oh man, how this is going to work out? How this is going to change? I came from here. I, you know, I'm a Tamilian brother. I did this brother. That's why I cannot do this. Listen. I encourage you, dear friends, my brothers, my sisters, I want to encourage you. Look at me, please. You may have a past, but that past cannot be visited without the blood of Jesus. The, every time you visit your past without the blood of Jesus, you are inviting condemnation. You are inviting guilt. You are inviting shame. But every single time when you visit your past with the blood of Jesus, you see the life of Jesus manifested in you beautifully. Can somebody say amen? I'm preaching good here this morning. Shalakandura malaka. 
Amen. Now, let's get back to the subject. How do we overcome distractions? I think I wrote down here four points. It's going to go quickly, but make notes. Follow the example of Jesus. Now, let me tell you this. Charles, are you completely 100% distraction free? I would be a liar if I say yes to you. No, it's there. It's a battle. It's a challenge. You have to face it all the time of your life. But I want to encourage you. Number one, follow the example of Jesus. Hebrews, the author of Hebrews says this in his chapter 12, verse 2. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. Who endured the cross? Jesus endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Can you imagine this? Jesus did not say, Ah, I enjoy pain. Pain is my companion. I love pain. Father, bring me more pain. No, 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 no. <laughs> Paul did not sing as well. Oh, pain is my buddy. Pain is my middle name. No, no, no. They all endured pain. I think I've shared this to you guys. One of the pillars of the underground church in mainland China, they have learned to embrace suffering. Why? Because by embracing suffering, not for the suffering's sake, they have seen that when they go through that suffering, they can see God being glorified at the end of the story. God allows these things God put Jesus in wilderness. Hello? The Bible says, read that, Matthew 4. The Spirit of the Lord led Jesus into wilderness. He didn't say, he got lost, he was walking to Jerusalem, suddenly GPS didn't work, he got lost, he went to the wilderness, then the demons started tormenting. No, nothing like that, my friends. No, there are no mishaps in the mind of God. Amen? No mishaps. So, the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down. You know, shame even through somebody plucked his beard. Have you ever allowed anyone to pluck your beard? I remember when my kids were tiny, they used to pluck my beard. It's so painful. And they did this. This is an adult doing, not the kids. The adult plucking Jesus' beard and they tied they blindfolded his eyes and then they said to him, Tell me, who plucked your beard? He is the son of God, became a son of man, so that the sons and daughters of men like you and me can become sons and daughters of God. He could have given him the list. You, Elias, son of Tobias, son of whatever, and traced it back all the way to Adam. That guy would have been collapsed. But he endured the shame. Today somebody mistreated you in the hospital. They didn't call me sir. They didn't call me madam. She just said good morning. What she Hello. Are you there? 
follow the example of Jesus. I want to follow the example of Jesus. How do I overcome distractions? By focusing, number two, by focusing on the dreams God put in my heart. What is the dream God put in your heart? The Bible says people without vision perish. What is the dream God put? I'm not talking about, ah, brother, iPhone 12 is coming, brother. I wanted to somehow take this and swipe my HDFC credit card and, and uh, hmm, stotra. No, that's not what I'm talking about. What is your long-term vision? Why are you born? Mark Twain said, I, I could not disagree with him. He said, there are two main days. The day when he was born, the day when he comes to know why he was born. And that's the thing. I, you, you need to understand, you know, what's what's the dream God put in your heart? What, what What is your long term? Why you've been created? Of course, we are created for his pleasure. That's true. We are created to worship him. We are created to share about him. We are created to be his, uh, his fragrance. His, we are created that God can come and occupy. All this is true. But I'm talking about a little bit in details, going down to this little nitty gritty stuff. Why God gave you those mind, those heart, those emotions, those feelings. Why he has given you made you so unique that you are not a copycat of a mass production you, you are created uniquely why God put those all this inside of you have you ever thought about it Philippians chapter 3 verse 13 beautifully Paul writes brothers and sisters hello you also listen I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it but one thing I do forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is higher. Can you imagine this? I want to read this scripture for you. Isn't it, isn't it beautiful? Straining towards what is higher. You know what was he saying? He's saying, you know what? I see so many accusations. People just stop, talk about me so many things. You know, I just don't want to even get into that. But I really wanted to do this. I want to put those things behind. There is a dream God put in my heart. I just want to go for that. And the dream is to reach so many people with the gospel of the kingdom. Isn't it beautiful? It is. It, it, this is incredible, man. I tell you, look at this verse. 3.13 And then verse 14. I press toward the goal for the price of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Wow. <laughs> Do you have a goal? Yes, brother, one day. That shouldn't be your goal, man. What is your goal? What's your goal? What is your long-term goal? Have you sought? If you never have a goal, go before God. Fast. Take time. Humble yourself. Say, God, what is your original design for my life? Why on earth I am created for? Why you gave me this? You know, when I see the world map, some of the maps, I look some countries, I started crying. Why? God has given me a command, a mandate to be his voice to the nations of the world. So there are some nations I put my hand and I start praying. And I let me tell you guys, God has given you all the gifts and talents, but he is not responsible that you will use them for his glory. You are responsible for that. Number three, 
prioritizing what is essential in life. He is not worried about what others think. Look at this verse again. Philippians 3.13. Let's go back again and read this. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. What are those things that was in his mind? What, you know, Paul wrote this, this one of the prison letters. You know, there were people outside the prison trying to use Paul's name so that if people ask, why are you doing this? Paul only taught us, you know, that's sort of jealous motivation. They did that so that the Romans would keep him in prison. That was their motivation. And he's not bothered about that. Look what he's doing. I, I leave those things behind and reach forward. He, he has came down to a very fine tuning, if I may use that word. Say, ah, I want to prioritize what is essential in my life. How can you prioritize when you don't have a vision? You can't. You can't prioritize when you don't have a vision. If you have a vision, then you can prioritize. 2016, September 25th, the Lord told me, 25th, 26th. I remember, stop eating what you are eating. If you keep eating what you are eating, you're going to soon see me soon. You're going to come home sooner than I thought. I tell you, my friends, so I have to prioritize. If I see chicken 65, cauliflower gobi 65, if I see ice creams, if I can see all those things that were said before me, I have to prioritize. What is my priority? My priority is God has called me and has given me a mandate to go and be a voice in the nations of the world, to speak a spirit-filled message to the ends of the earth, to educate, to empower young people, to come to know in the fullness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me tell you that people will walk with a kingdom lifestyle. So I can't do this. You know, Dr. Zacharias, um, one of our heroes, he used to say this. There are three things needed to fulfill God's call. Your physical ability, your spiritual ability and your intellectual ability. Your spiritual ability. That means you, your mind has to be pure. Your spirit has to be pure, tuned with the God's ideas. And your intellectual ability that you need to be able to uh, grasp the, the gifts and the charismas. You can able to put things together and fine tune it and yield it to the work of the Holy Spirit. Let the cross have its way. And then the physical ability. That means you need to be fit to do what God has called you to do. So Paul has prioritized his life. Number four, let's, let's, it's quite a few things. Uh, I have a couple of more points. Uh, one more point is there, but I have a couple of more thoughts to cover. So number four, this is the last one. Mindset of long-term consequences. Look at this verse, Philippians chapter 3, verse 17. Brethren, join in following my example. And note those who so walk as you have us for a pattern. 
In other translation, it says, in Passion, it says, My beloved friends, imitate my walk with God and follow all those who walk according to the way of life we modeled before you. So he didn't just do it for himself. He had this mindset of long-term consequences. That means somehow he thought, what I'm doing right now, years to come, people are going to look at my life and say, yes. Paul imitated Christ. I'm going to imitate Christ by following Paul. Can we say that honestly? That people are going to look at me and they're going to imitate me because I'm imitating Christ? Wow. I'm not talking about Sunday morning. I'm not talking about Sunday worship time. We know how to give our pious look. I'm talking about when you are in your lowest time, when you're alone, nobody is there and you on your phone and you are, you are, you are under your temptation or maybe you are under stress. Maybe you are walking through some challenges. Your, your, your ex suddenly showed up. How are you going to look? Or maybe, maybe somebody who mistreated you or gave you a very bad report or criticized you publicly and, and or secretly or maybe your best friend who betrayed you, stabbed you at the back, shows up. I know what I'm sharing is not easy. But Paul had a mindset of long-term consequences. And that's why he could able to be easily overcome those distractions and today we are so distracted from small opinion attender says something some junior doctors or somebody who works under you makes a comment or somebody who is your best friend who made a, a gossip statement about you or or maybe you, you, you your wife comes home and you, she says something to you or your mother-in-law shows up <laughs> I don't call my mother-in-law anymore mother-in-law. I call her mother-in-love. <laughs> Amen. Hello. How are we doing in our distractions? My prayer is God is going to help us. Amen. We as Papa's house family will overcome. Why? Because God has given us a dream. We're going to focus on Jesus. We're going to fulfill the dreams he has put in us. We're going to prioritize what is essential in our life. And we're going to have a mindset of long-term consequences. Not in our own ways we can do it. We will submit our will to his will to fulfill the will of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this beautiful morning. And I pray, Father, after as we are praying now, after this, my brother Patrick is going to come and lead communion. And if there is anyone watching you or never know about Jesus, I want to invite you to come. Give your life to Jesus. Maybe you tried everything. Why don't you try Jesus? He's never going to disappoint you. He is your life. Invite him into your life. You, your life will be completely transformed. And I pray, Father, this morning, 
that you will help us to overcome distractions. We are in the world of distractions. We got sucked up with so many things around us. And what we are called to do, we end up not doing it. Help us, Father. Give us grace. We yield our spirit to your spirit.